You are the listener's eyes. Couldn't have wished for a better job since Ryan Clough, he's Derby's most successful manager. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rams TV podcast. I'm Owen Bradley. Uh, This week we have a conversation with a voice that any Derby County supporter will recognise. I grew up listening to him. I'm sure you did too. And actually a lot of what Colin Gibson did at BBC Radio Derby was pretty groundbreaking for its time. More on that a little later. Uh, As you'll hear, a very important person in my career uh, still is in fact and and played a big role in getting a lot of people in the industry uh, started. Uh, We get into loads in in this interview. I, I hope you enjoy it. Here's Gibbo. Colin Gibson, welcome to the Rams TV podcast. Uh, loads to talk about, so much so that I didn't even bother making any notes for today. Um, and I'm almost certain that we'll have to get you back on again as the weeks go on. So this conversation, I think, will bounce around all sorts of topics. How long were you at Radio Derby? 25 years? More 25 now? years doing sport. Probably 30 years in all. I was going in as a freelance in the early 1980s. Because your journey in was, was different. So a lot of people today will do a journalism degree or a sports journalism degree or, or something and then they always know. But you're... You didn't come to it that way, did you? I didn't, no, no. I did an HND in electrical and electronic engineering. They didn't have interesting degrees or HNDs in, back in the day, so I did that. Um, did a couple of six months at, well, it was called Salonese back in those days. And as I was doing the second sort of six months, so however long it was, I thought, I can't do this for another 40 years. I was a bit of a mobile DJ, so quite fancied that sort of side of it. And a place opened in London called National Broadcasting School. You had to pay to go to it. So my good old dad, rest his soul, shelled out the £750, which in 1981 was a fair bit of money. But that was it. That gave me the basics to learn about broadcasting. And there was a guy who was the assistant head at National Broadcasting School, heard worked and trained somebody at Radio Brighton, who was now at Radio Derby. And that was my way in. And once, it's the old thing, once you get in there, usually once you've got your foot through the door, unless you really do something wrong, I don't know, I suppose got a little bit of talent, then you can press on from there. And that's what happened. And just fortunate things being in the right place at the right time just dropped my way. Did your dad think you were a bit mad? When you asked him for the money for that? Uh, <laughs> no, no, he didn't. Um, I'm sure quietly he did, but that was what I was like. It's, I guess it's a bit like if I sort of fast forward on 20 odd years and youngest daughter Laura says, I want to be a pilot. Oh, good. Okay, fine. And suddenly it's, right, she's serious about this. So we, you find the money for it because they're your children and you want to back your children. And she flies aeroplanes for real now. So the £750 my dad spent, I suppose, was pretty well invested. Uh, and what, as you mentioned it, she was a bit of a social media sensation recently, Laura. <laughs> 11 million views. If you haven't seen it, then actually I don't know where you've been. Um, It was amazing. Laura is a first officer with Tui, flies on the 737, and her granny and granddad go on holiday with Tui twice a year to the same place. Uh, So unbeknown to them, it was set up that Laura would do the flight from East Midlands to Mallorca and surprise them. And surprise them, she certainly did. It is a lovely video. You should go and see it if if you haven't seen it before. So 25 years at 
at Radio Derby, give or take, doing sport for, for a lot of that. And actually, a, a lot of what you did on sport at Radio Derby for the time was quite revolutionary because I think not a lot of places were doing commentary before you did it. And I think Sports Scene Talking was one of, if not the first football phone-ins. So yeah. you've got a lot to answer for. We have, yes, yes, we certainly have. You know, Robert Maxwell certainly thought we've got a lot to answer for. Yeah, it's, it's strange. I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine that you couldn't do commentary on football. But the rules and regulations on radio and, I guess, TV covering football were draconian. They were so out of date. But they changed, they started to change, and... The managers who ran Radio Derby knew that broadcasting Derby County brought big listening figures. And we'd got Graham Richards, who was just unique. There was nobody like him. And so, again, the, the, the rules started to change that you could do second-half commentaries. Okay, why not the first half? But anyway, the rules changed. They they. They lessened the stranglehold and eventually we were, we were able to do every game commentary home and away. We introduced, I'm pretty sure we introduced the pitch side reporter and presenter, which was me, because I wanted to be, it's all fine and well, Graham doing the commentary with us, whoever's summarising, but I wanted to be in the action. I want to be interviewing the players. So that's what I did. And again, Fair play to Derby County, the people running it at the time, the likes of Stuart Webb and Peter Gadsby uh, and Michael Dunford and the managers of the time said, okay, yeah, we'll let you do that. So the great one where it really came into its own was the great Friday night at the baseball ground when we beat Rotherham 2-1 under Arthur Cox. And finally, after years of decline, we were on the way back. Promotion to the second division. Final whistle went... Great celebrations, players go in, then come out and go on the lap of honour. And I've got a radio mic, which is, you know, yeah, so what these days? Back in the mid-1980s, that was a big deal. And I was going around on the lap of honour with the players, and I was loving it. And this was great radio, and that's how that changed. Enjoy a leader's experience in the Captain's Club at Pride Park Stadium. It's hospitality, but not like you know it. The Captain's Club at the Dave Mackay Suite offers the best vantage point of the stadium, accompanied by great food and regular visits from Derby County captains, past and present. Available on a seasonal or match-by-match basis, the Captain's Club is the perfect way to watch the Rams in style. Visit dcfc.co.uk for full details. You say we're loving it. And I don't know whether you consider yourself to be this or not, but you are a bit of a local celebrity. <laughs> and we know that from, you know, just Wembley this summer just gone when you're the one that people came up to on, on Olympic Way as we were still doing bits for Rams TV. So do you consider yourself that? And, and how do you respond and, and deal with and react to people who maybe want to come and have a, a conversation or whatever? My daughter thinks it's, think it's hilarious. I, I get. I suppose so. Yeah, I've never really. It's not why you why you did it. Not at all. No, I did it because I love it. Because I love radio, and I love football, and I love Derby County. So to actually put all those together was slightly fortuitous. But as I say, I worked at it. The girls find it funny when sort of people say that's Colin Gibson. That's me. That's just me. So I know Jack, who I do a lot of filming with at Rams TV thinks it's hilarious. We, and the Wembley Day in particular, we were talking to so many people and he thought it was just so funny that 
they know who you are. Yeah, well, a lot of people say to me, I grew up listening to you on the radio, you, Graham and Ian, or you, Graham and Eric, whoever, on the radio. They did. Yeah, minor celebrity. Was that trio your favourite? Yeah. Graham and Ian Hall and yourself? The best summariser, though, sorry, Ian, and I loved Ian Hall. I learned so much about football. That was the great thing about Graham and Ian. They were even older than me. I know that's hard to believe, Owen, but they were even older than me. So they'd seen football in an era previous to me, and that's where my football education came from. So how did the three of you come together then, as, as, as the broadcasting team? Graham was already there, and he was this great reporter, but never really had done commentary because you weren't allowed to do commentaries. But when the occasions came that you were, he just came into his own. His power of description. You, you, you'll remember this being told, you are the listener's eyes. And actually so many people who broadcast in radio yeah. forget that basic rule. You are the listener's eyes. Describe what you see. So when a goal goes in, don't start cheering. We talk about this all the time, don't we? Don't start cheering. Describe what you're seeing. You might be a fan. Great. That's even better. But don't forget to do your basic job. Be the listener's eyes. And Graham was... Because Graham wasn't a fan, was he? No, no, no. no. And a lot of people... Graham was a Birmingham City fan, I think, because that's where he grew up. But he came to watch Derby in the 60s when he was a student and in his early days of teaching and then he went into the law, went to the baseball ground and fell in love with the place. And it just so happened it was at the time when Derby were about to become the power in the land. So... Graham was already there. Um, we used to use various people to come in and do some of Eric Steele was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. But Eric was sort of getting into goalkeeping coaching. Ian Hall was brilliant. So he was the opposite of Graham. Graham was very ebullient and Ian was more laid back and a bit, not sarcastic. I don't know, he, he had a very down-to-earth view on things. And I'm gonna, still not quite sure how Ian came to be involved, but he did. And the two of them, they were like uh, Waldorf and Statler from The Muppets, just moaning all the time. But great, that's where my footballing education came from. The best summariser that we had was Gary Rowett. And he was absolutely top draw. And we used to use Gary or Darren Wassell, but trying to get the two of them some weeks was an absolute nightmare because it was my job to say, which of you is doing the game this week? Neither of them were particularly keen on overnight stays if we were going on a long journey and staying over on a Friday night, which I absolutely loved and Graham absolutely loved and Ross Fletcher and Ted used to as well when they took over doing commentaries. That was one of the great, you had a Friday night away, go out for a meal, sit and talk football all night, game the next day but I don't know whether Gary or Darren weren't allowed out on a Friday night but so that was a bit of a challenge the season or two that they did the summarising but Gary Rowett was brilliant. Didn't you fly to an overnight? (laughs) Not an overnight no we um where did we go we did Luton once a friend of a friend. We should explain that you I wasn't pilot I have got a pilot's license I wasn't flying it A friend of a friend worked for somebody who got his own twin-engined aircraft. He was a big Derby fan. And um, he said, do you fancy going to Luton? 
yeah, all right, then why not? So we flew to Luton, so we did that one. And then a guy who I used to fly with, Malcolm Wilkins, his name is. I used to have a share in a four-seater aircraft with him years ago before mortgage, wife, children, you know. Sorry, Julie. So he said, we were playing Norwich away on a Saturday. And he said, should we fly to Norwich? So it's, a, it's a nightmare trip, isn't it? Absolutely. So instead of a four-hour journey, it was about a 45-minute flight. But after the game, the weather was a bit, bit iffy. And we got back, but the weather was starting to close in. And if you've got a basic private pilot's license, as I have, uh, you can only fly in decent weather. That's when I need my daughter to go flying with me because she's got all the bells and whistles. Where did the, the, the love of flying start? Oh. And I should say, we've known each other 10 years and there are two things that we've always said we've done since probably One the was playing met, tennis. Play tennis and the second was take me up in the plane and yeah. neither thing has ever happened. <laughs> I just thought I'd mention that now on record. Yeah, yeah, all right, okay. It'll happen sometime soon. Do you know, I'm not sure. A friend of mine got his pilot's licence through our training corps in the days where the ATC would pay for the majority of the flying and perhaps he must have taken well he did take me up so maybe that's where it came from I don't know I was just fascinated by aeroplanes and uh, it's, it's, I actually did it when I started freelancing at Radio Derby and Radio Derby was so short staffed that I would go in at six o'clock in the morning and would still be working there at nine o'clock at night because they hadn't got staff to cover this 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 and this so I was getting double time or treble time money and just still living at home with my dad. So, you know, just put it in the bank, put it in the bank. So I thought, if I'm going to do it, this is the time to do it. No outgoings. So I did it. It took, took about a year. So some days, some, so some weeks, I was able to go every day and then I wouldn't be able to go for two or three weeks because it was so busy at Radio Derby. Let's go back to the football, well, Sorry, to, yes. to the broadcasting, mm. because, you know, I'm sure everybody listening will, will sort of have grown up with you as, as you know, the voice of, of Derby County to a certain extent, alongside Graham or Ross Fletcher or Colin Bloomfield or or whoever the commentators were that, that you worked with. You did, did one commentary with me as well, didn't you? Uh, Burton Albion against Middlesbrough. Yeah, may, well, maybe we'll talk about that. that was yeah, awful. you did very well. It was, it was awful. Yeah, you did very well. Burton won as well, didn't they? I... I uh, as we were talking about it, I just remember that was my first ever commentary. I thought I was terrible. Burton caused the upset. So that commentary is now in the National Football Museum because when they put the commentary clips together, it was before Burton's rise up the league so that they didn't have much. So that went in there. A BBC reporter basically sat on me for the whole game and the ICN cable kept coming out. So it was a bit of a bit of a nightmare. I, I'm still don't know how I was allowed to do that game. I'm sure it was all you're doing. But I don't know how I was allowed to do a game of that profile to a com almost a complete newbie as a commentator. Yeah, I always took the view that at some point you have to be given the chance. You've mm. got to be given the opportunity and you then either do sink or swim. Unfortunately, you swam, swam, whichever way it is. I'll tell you another funny story. We are going off on a tangent here. Ross Fletcher, in his young days, Ross obviously went on to take over from Graham and, again, did a brilliant job as commentary on Radio Derby. But he was, he was a young kid. He came in 15 or 16 and used to help out on a Saturday afternoon and had clearly got some talent. And I kept saying to the managing editor of Radio Derby at the time, you need to give this lad a chance at some point. Just 
put him on at some point. Let him present something. Let him do something. Oh, no, no, you know, we have to be very cautious, this, that, and the other. Anyway, a Saturday afternoon in the summer, Ross got his chance and presented whatever the Saturday afternoon programme was and did a really good job. So, on the Monday, I did tell you, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, okay, that's great. However, I was going to a wedding on the Saturday afternoon, so waited until the programme had finished, and obviously Ross would be feeling really, oh, that was great, really loved it, and phoned in on one of the phones as some irate listener saying, this is the worst broadcasting I've ever heard, and Ross picked the phone up to answer the call. So I put on the best disguised voice that I could and kept it going for as long as I could before I corpsed, and then he realised it was me. <laughs> Lovely. But, but actually, you have quite a track record of of bringing talent through, not just on air, but, but off air as well. Is that, is your sort of legacy within the BBC, is that one of the things that you're most proud of? Yeah, absolutely. Because as I said, ultimately, you have to give somebody an opportunity to sink or swim. I remember being at Wimbledon. I, that, that I, though I did football and I loved the football and following Derby, I just couldn't have wished for a better job. But I was fortunate enough for six or seven years to do Wimbledon for the BBC, which I absolutely loved. And I think I'd done my second stint at Wimbledon and got a phone call to say, on your first day back, you've got to meet some young kid at Derby Railway Station and I know, go with I him. I know where this story is. Yeah, and go with him to, to Bristol. He's our kickoff reporter uh, for the forthcoming summer. And I think, oh, great. I'm going to get on Derby Station, meet some spotty Herbert who's not going to say boo to a goose. This is a great, you know, I've had two weeks at Wimbledon. Gee, thanks for nothing. Anyway, met this young lad on Derby Railway Station. He never stopped talking all the way down, hit it off straight away. And I knew from that moment, this lad has got it. He will go somewhere. Whatever happened to Owen Bradley? It was a lovely description of me as spotty, by the way. Thank you, thank you for that. But you say you say that about, and actually, I I now say that as well. And I talk to students and get emails and that sort of thing. People have either, and this is probably not what people want to hear, but people have either got it or they haven't. Correct. People get broadcasting, or they don't. And people may listen to this and say, "Well, you don't get it. What are you on? What are you talking about it for?" But you just it's get subject- that. You've got to remember it's subjective. It so is. I had my battles in the early years at Radio Derby of people who didn't think that I was good enough to be on the radio, and I just had to persevere at it and listen and learn. And well, still here. And that was the other advice you gave to me very early on as well when I started getting on air, which again was a bit of a battle initially. Was not everybody's going to like you. And that's just something you have to yep. accept. And don't expect that everybody who listens to you, sorry, we're talking radio, or, I mean, it applies now on Rams TV, yep. that everything you say, everything you do, that people are going to agree with you or like you, they don't. And if you can't deal with it, don't do it. Don't throw your toys out of the pram. Just accept that some people don't like you having a go at the manager think you're being negative. Mm. Oh, why aren't you supporting the team? Because at Radio Derby, it isn't our job, or wasn't our job to support the team. I always had to remind people, we're Radio Derby, not Radio Derby County. We are partisan. We want Derby to win. Be absolutely certain about that. But if they play rubbish and the other team are better, we will say so. Someone who had a lot of criticism was Colin Bloomfield. Yeah. 
Um, took over from, I think, Ross Fletcher. From Ross, yeah, yeah. Maybe there might have been Mark Bestie in between as well. But obviously, there was Graham, who was fantastic. And then Ross, who's top of the top of the tree as well, as, as far as I'm concerned. And then Bloomers took over, who I always thought was excellent. Brilliant. People always threw the Shrewsbury thing at him. You're not a Derby fan, which so is to totally irrelevant. But he was one who had to initially get over a lot yeah. of criticism. Yeah. Uh, Colin came in also, bless him, at a really difficult time. Nigel Clough had come in as manager and had inherited a mess. Mm. And he set about changing the mess and then started to put his own stamp on it. But it still wasn't great at times and it was difficult. Mm. And I remember an early game oh, at Forest, unfortunately, and we lost 3-2, I think, in the end. Forrest scored with Majewski a free kick in the first 20, 30 seconds. It was difficult to see who'd taken the free kick and it was a bit all over the place. And then the game ended with Nathan Tyson running across in front of the Derby fans with the flag. It was a nasty occasion and it was not the greatest of times to be covering Derby. There were, you know, it was the fallout still from the one year in the Premier League and all that that, that had come with that. Radio Derby's job at that time, and still should be now, was to be impartial, to be partisan, as I said. But if it's not good, you've got to say it's not good. And, you know, you, they have, there was people like, you know, Robbie Savage, bless him, who uh, just said, I'm sorry, you know, uh, Colin Bloomfield, what does he know about football? Well, as Robbie Savage knows now, you are allowed to have an opinion. It's part of the job. And Colin found it hard to start off with because he was a, a sensitive soul. He was a sensitive person. And he had to learn that, forget what they say about you. The only reason they're saying it is because they want to be where you are, Colin. You are brilliant at what you do. Remember that, say it as you see it, and get on with it. And he came to terms with it. He was brilliant. Oh, uh, and I've, genius. I wonder where he would be now yeah, as a broadcaster. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it wouldn't still be a Radio Derby, that's for sure. Tickets on sale now. Don't miss out on the drama. Get your ticket to see the Rams today. Online, in-store or over the phone. It couldn't be easier to buy tickets to watch the Rams this season. Rams fans have a wide selection of ticket options to choose from for games at Pride Park and away from home. You can even purchase coach travel alongside your match ticket for when the Rams are on the road. Click onto dcfc.co.uk, visit the ticket office presented by SeatGeek at Pride Park or call 0871 472 1884 to purchase your tickets today. We talked earlier about you on the pitch and walking around and and yes that happens now it still happens but yeah. but the way football and media work it is very different so people will see us pitch side after game see you pitch side and the manager will come out with a member of the communications team a single player will come out again, that interview will be watched and, and listened to. And that's not just at Derby, that's sort of everywhere. And in, in the Premier League, you have mixed zones and all those sorts of things. But back in the day, you could turn up at the training ground and get who you wanted. Yeah. I mean, I, talk, I, talk to us about how it used to be. How it used to be, there were no press officers. So it was, I would go along on a Thursday to the training ground at Rainsway. The players, as a group, had been out the night before because that was their day off and they'd be training with plastic bags under their kit to sweat out all the alcohol that they'd been consuming the night before. And they were just a great bunch. And I'd go along 
and stand there and watch them train. And then when they'd finished training, I'd go there with a list in my mind of who I wanted to talk to. And it was, as they came off, I just said, Bobby Davison, can I do a piece with you for Radio Derby? Rob Hindmarch, Ross McLaren, whoever. And they'd either say yes or no. And actually, that's not a bad thing to be turned down because, again, reporters... Sorry, I sound a bit of an old... You know what, these days don't like being turned down, don't like a sports person saying, no, I don't want to talk to you and take offence at it or be hurt by it. Well, you know, they've got a choice. Actually, sometimes they don't have a choice, but then they certainly had a choice. And so it was, yes, I'll do something or no, I won't do something. And I get, a, I tend to get a couple of interviews and go back with those. And then on a Friday, I go to the baseball ground and wait with Gerald Mortimer from the Derby Telegraph and Nigel, whose name has escaped me, who used to work for Raymond's news agency, Nigel Gardner, and we'd wait for Arthur to come back. And then at some point we'd walk down and knock on his door and he'd open the door and, uh, yes, uh, Arthur, can we get the squad from you for tomorrow, please? And can we do an interview with you? And he'd go through this ritual. Ah, Shilton. Sage, and it'd take him an age to, and he'd trot out the, um, the, the, the squad. And then he'd come down a few minutes later um, and then do the interview with me and Gerald would pop in, chip in with his questions and Nigel Gardner, and that was it. And we'd go back, we got the manager's interview. Funny story, Nigel Gardner and I went down once and on the door, nothing. On the door, the door opened a torrent of abuse, and he slammed the door. Don't know what was going on, but it was really funny. And then he came down 10, 15 minutes later and was absolutely fine. Were there players that would never talk to you? Uh, there, was an, there was a time, actually in Jim Smith's time, Graham had said something to upset the players, and Robbie van der Laan came after, after we'd won a game at Stoke, drawn a game at Stoke, one drawn, can't remember, and said, just to let you know, Carl, Players don't want to speak to Radio Derby because of what Graham's been saying. Okay, fine. The players said it, not some communications person said it. The players actually came up and said it to me. And they got over it and they were fine. As you, as you know now when you interview footballers, some are more accustomed to do it, are at ease doing it, and some just don't like being interviewed. Unfortunately for them now, there is no getting away from it. it. It is part and parcel of what they do. But as I say, some players will chat quite easily. I don't think any players ever said, no, I'm not speaking to Radio Derby. There might well have been, but I don't particularly recall it. There is that rare breed of player. I think John Eustace is one and, and Gareth Roberts, maybe another from sort of players that I've dealt with who don't really do interviews very often, no. but, but they make it clear that if it's been a bad result, they are prepared to come out and speak. Yeah, Craig Bryson was always like that. But he, but Bryce is, is a good interviewee anyway. Yes, he's just he a is. good guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But though, I think those two in particular, you didn't really ever hear from them, but it no, was you said didn't. that if, you, if, if they needed, if, if the, the team, if the dressing room needed someone, they would step out then and do it. Yeah, yeah. I probably interviewed John Eustace. I don't think I ever interviewed him when I was at Radio Derby, and I interviewed him maybe once, twice for Rams TV. Mm. Ironically, 
we went to do a piece with him a couple of summers ago. Was it? No, two summers ago when he was manager of Kidderminster and went along and chatted. And he had just had a knee operation and I was just out of plaster having dislocated my ankle. So we were both sort of hobbling around and we sat down and did this interview. And I just loved it. And he talked. And it was strange hearing him talk and talk so well. And that actually was the start of the Rams TV meets. Because he just, it was just, oh, wow, that was so interesting, talking to him about all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, from that sort of came the birth of the Rams TV meets. But just to go back to what you said about Robert Van Der and, and that incident, did you find yourself... Not apologising for Graham, but no. having to deal with, deal with the it. fallout of what he had said yeah. sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to do it a time or two, mainly with Jim Smith. Jim Smith had argued with me during an interview. I heard what your mate said on the radio about me and my team, blah, 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 and would ball me out on the radio. Once the interview was finished, it was forgotten, though. Jim was brilliant to that. So, yes, it was... <laughs> Graham and Ian would come in on a Saturday and fire the bullets and I'd be left to pick up the pieces Monday to Friday. Wouldn't change it for anything. Who are your sort of favourite few people to deal with managers, players? Is Jim one of them? Oh, Jim, yeah, yeah. Jim was great. I mean, when you consider he came in and there was no universal approval of Jim Smith. Jim Smith, he's been around the block. What's he ever achieved? Actually, I'm not sure he particularly won anything as a manager. He got some really entertaining teams like Portsmouth and Oxford. Uh, he went to Newcastle and struggled a little bit there. But anyway, they appointed Jim Smith and he just came in and he just made the changes and he was a joy to deal with. As I say, he'd ball you out during an interview and then it would be forgotten. But the day where we beat Palace 2-1 at the baseball ground. Probably the greatest promotions of all the ones that I've covered. The party, the celebration, they just knew how to... They'd worked hard. He'd absolutely worked them hard. he got a young Steve McLaren and his first team coach who came in with these revolutionary ideas. And those new ideas and Jim's old-fashioned way of running football just worked. And they were a great group of players knew how to play football, was successful, knew how to party, but then the following season knew how to survive in the top division. Who else really sticks out for you? Arthur Cox was the opposite. He was really difficult to deal with, but that was just the way that he was. He, that was just his demeanour, that was his way, but since Brian Clough, he's Derby's most successful manager. He took Derby to fifth in the first division, the top division, winning at Old Trafford, winning at Villa Park. Last time I won at Villa Park, actually. And fifth, Peter Shelton in goal, Mark Wright centre-half, Dean Saunders scoring goals. Fabulous. So Arthur, Arthur was Arthur. Do you know how many managers it is you've I think it's about with? 20 altogether. Billy Davis, well, Billy was Billy. Mm. Again, he delivered promotion to the Premier League, but... If you ever get a chance, watch his Rams TV meets. It's fascinating. Peter Taylor was the first manager that I dealt with when I was at Radio Derby. And again, Peter had come in. The hope was that he was going to revive the club, but the club was at death's door for about £200,000 of unpaid VAT or something. Amazing, £200,000 is nothing when you think of the amount in football. And the club was, well, facing its centenary year in the third division. 
John Gregory, I'd always got on with John Gregory as a player. He was talking about players who were at ease with the media. Got John Gregory to come in and present some programmes on Radio Derby. And he was really good. But as a manager here, it didn't really work out. I actually liked Paul Jewell. I got on with him fine. Nigel Clough came in. Nigel and I had a great relationship, then had no relationship at all. And he came into here and it was a a terrible time to come in. His first job in league management, um, that was tough on Nigel. As I say, we, we got on well, but then we didn't. Steve McLaren was my first manager as working for Derby County. <sighs> Again, I'd interviewed Steve McLaren when he signed for Derby County as a player back in 1984. So it was sort of rather amusing. Paul Clement, he was quite hard work. He was a very serious guy, didn't give too much away. Nigel Pearson wasn't here very long, but again, got on with him really well. Gary Rowett was always going to get on with because again, I got on with him well as a player and he would just, you ask him a question and he would just answer. And Frank, well, Frank was Frank. Frank was from a different universe altogether. It's black and white and it's in your DNA, you. Get priority access to match tickets and a range of other benefits with Derby County's DNA home and away memberships. Home members can enjoy 20% discount and early access to home match tickets without having to pay booking fees online, whilst away members can claim priority access to purchase tickets for all away games. DNA home and away memberships are available to purchase now on dcfc.co.uk by visiting the Derby County ticket office presented by SeatGeek or by calling 0871 472 last one for now because I'm sure as I say we'll have to get you back on and and talk about a few more things you've not even touched about Maxwell and the phoning and (laughs) and all that stuff Derby fan but when you do and I know this from having done it when you do the Radio Derby job in particular you can be you have to be a bit adversarial and you maybe feel like a bit of an outsider and you're often made to feel like a bit Enemy is maybe a bit of a strong strong word, but you can feel very apart from the club, which is a strange feeling when it is the club that you support. So how nice, was it nice for you to now be part of the football club that you've supported? It's great. That that you say about having to be slightly detached from it. Again, sometimes supporters don't understand it. What, you know, why are you criticising the club? Because working for the BBC... That's what we're there to do. As I said, we're there to be partisan. We want Derby to win, but we're going to tell it like it is. And actually, what you could, what I would add to that is, if, as a supporter of the club, you want what's best for the club. So if you're seeing something that you think should be better or improved upon, or it's sort of your duty as well to, to try and affect that change if you can, I would, I would add. But. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it takes a while, sometimes for your point of view to be seen and sometimes you're wrong sometimes you do get it wrong you know hold your hand up sorry got that wrong when you go into the commentary box I have this little saying leave your scarf and leave your rattle at home okay you're you're a professional broadcaster and sorry we're talking about broadcasting and not writing because football writing is another art as well but if you're a professional broadcaster leave your scarf leave your rattle at home Support the team in a partisan commentary, but be prepared to say that wasn't very good. But justify. Don't just say it. Don't just criticise for being critical's sake. Justify it. Be prepared to say that wasn't very good because. And then you've got your point of view. 
So, as I say, if you're going to come and work in the football club, which I did, and again, that it was you know right place at the right time. Came in 13-14 season, team that had started okay. McLaren comes in, whoosh, seven wins in a row, from mid-table obscurity to chasing Leicester and Burnley, to trying. We were never getting an automatic promotion. Those two were just in a league of their own that season. We gave them a good run every now and then, but it was an amazing season to be in there. So the club was changing because suddenly they become playoff contenders and everybody was talking about Derby again and everybody was enthused about it. And... Behind the scenes, so much was changing as well, one of which was the manager. So I guess, in a way, a forerunner to Rams TV. We did Rams in Focus, a weekly 10-minute roundup in video of features around the club. And it was just, it was taking that next step, moving the media on. And you coming in in the last couple of years has done that and taken it on again. So yeah, it's been great to come in and enjoy it it would have been so much better had in 2014, would have beaten Queen's Park Rangers and gone into the Premier League and had a slice of the Premier League. Gibbo, thank you very much. Thank you. Great to spend a bit of time with Colin. Uh, we'll definitely get him on again. If you have any questions for him, for me, if you want to get in touch to suggest a guest, you can do all that. I'm on Twitter. It's at Owen Bradley. And you can get in touch with any questions about Rams TV too. Ask Rams TV is the hashtag. Uh, joined again by Robin Matthews, who's our head of broadcasting. Uh, this actually comes from one of the forums, Rob. Uh, St. Rams says, do you have any viewing figures for Rams TV? Analysis of audience or anything like that? Over to you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we do. We run analysis um, after every game. So we work with the data team here at the club. And they look at all our subscriber figures for us and all our pay-per-view that we get for all our games. So obviously there's international figures and there's the domestic figures that we get. So looking at it all, we can work out how many people have actually subscribed and pay-per-view in total for every game and throughout the year. Obviously then the summer comes along and there's no games. So that's where we look at what we can do over the summer. Uh, Figures-wise, obviously we only started doing it last year or the back end of the season before. So figures are gradually increasing, increasing, increasing. This year, even after last season, we're only a couple of games in and we've been on Sky and Pitch for a couple of times. Actually, the figures are sort of up near enough double on what we had last year for international and domestic um, and this year by the looks of it as well with I think last year you had the likes of Villa in the league and who else went up? I'm trying to think of top Norwich of Norwich and teams like that so a lot of the times if the games are appealing to Sky they'll get picked for Sky which obviously is, is good in a sense for the club we get a lot of money from Sky however for us as a department we like to show off what we do so then we can't stream those games now this season with a lot of the other clubs coming in and midweek games we can stream domestically it's actually looking like we can probably give you a lot more this year game wise I think off the top of my head looking at the fixtures initially it was about 11 or 12 that we'll be able to do this year unless they're picked for our sky or pitch international so figures wise yeah we look at them every week and see and obviously if they weren't where we wanted them to be then we'd obviously I'd be out of a job yeah you'd be out of a job um, we'll be out I mean we're not going to give away sort of specific because commercially sensitive but um, I think it's fair to say that we're 
near the top, if not at the top of the table in terms of viewers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We looked at, um, we did some research over the summer looking at what other clubs did last year within the championship teams that are in around ourselves. And we're up there, I think, sort of second or third championship-wise that are in the club. And obviously, if you look at our other channels, YouTube channel and bits like that, we're second most subscribed championship channel on YouTube, which I think at the start of last year, we were only about eighth or ninth. So the growth and the effort that the team have put in has been fantastic. And I'd say, like, what we're trying to do this year is put more content out. I've seen fans asking questions, and uh, we want to put more alternative content out, do more stuff with the players. Uh, cheers, Rob. Thank you to Rob. Rob's not the only one who can answer questions, by the way. If you have questions about other sides of the apartment, maybe you'll ask producer Adam a question, uh, who's sat with his headphones on at the moment. You're interested in the audio side of things, maybe what we do on the podcast. Maybe it's about camera. We can get the camera crew boys on. Uh, whatever it is, uh, get in touch, uh, ask your questions. Uh, thanks again to Rob. Thanks to Gibbo. Thank you to you for listening. Uh, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, uh, all that stuff, and uh, we'll see you soon.